and welcome to the 250, the podcast where you know how to cook and I know how to appear human. I'm Douglas and with me as always is my cook friend, Jonathan. <laughs> how are you, Jonathan? Uh, it's, it's great to time, uh, great, 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 it's great to spend time with my human friend, Douglas. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you really are. Uh, Definitely not the human friend. Special. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if this is your first time shooting the 250, we've forgotten how to speak, and we've also taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and have begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie is a bonus film, number 16, Ratatouille. Remy is a rat with a deep appreciation for all things culinary. After a series of unfortunate events lands him in the sewers of Paris, Remy stumbles into one of the most prestigious restaurants in France and makes an unlikely friendship with a young cleaning boy. Is this Remy's opportunity to make it big in haute cuisine? Um, <laughs> Ratatouille is directed by Brad Bird, who is known for... Uh, the Incredibles 1 and 2, as well as The Iron Giant, mm. as well as uh, Jan uh, Pinkava. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what we're running wrote with. The, wrote the book. Yes. Yep. Uh, with uh, writer going on from that. Uh, writers, your screenwriter is Brad Bird, Jan Pinkava with the original story, as well as Jim Capo Bianco. Uh, Which I didn't actually realize this was based oh, on. Oh, he's a? not. It's not Jan. It's it's like Jean or something. He's uh Oh, Jean. He's he's a Czech dude. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Cool. All right. Um, Good for him. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was a lady until now. I've Jean been looking Picard. at that. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Ducks and I have both Jean. watched this film before. We shall have watched it when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, an absurd amount of times when I was a kid. Which I, it's the same with Finding Nemo. Like didn't realize i watched it as many times as i did until i started watching it again and i was like ah yeah the, the, this bit happens yeah it's so embedded in my brain wait when was when was finding him like finding name I thought, 2003 oh 2003 right, so it was four years after 2000, yeah 2007 okay yep. it's all yep, coming yep, together yep. Those numbers yep. are the same number in my head because one <laughs> plus the other equals ten, and <laughs> and that makes them the same. <laughs> and then it's it's perfect. Uh... What did you think of the film, Jonathan? <laughs> this is one of those films that I'm I'm constantly. I've talked about it a lot. How I'm constantly on the hunt for good food films, Douglas. Food. Oh yeah, you are too. Food films. Not, not specifically like food docos, but like food films. Films yeah. about mm. people in restaurants, which. I don't know, maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places, but I feel like there's like a surprisingly small number of them. Right? Feel free to email mail at 250.com yeah. if you know of Line any... Let me with suggestions, but, but really the only big ones, the only big ones I know, Burnt, Chef, the one about the sushi guy, and this. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been able to find other good food films. I, maybe I haven't looked Man. at them. There's got to be a list on Letterboxd. Yeah. Uh, more on Letterboxd later on in the pod. That's yeah. two plugs back to back. Back to back to back, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, this is a film that, I mean, you know, love it. Gotta love it. Classic yeah. Pixar. Um, hmm. But I think, unfortunately, got a little beaten by um, a bit of a critical eye on it. I think there's yes. you know, complaints about this film, I think, which is a shame. I like this film a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is probably one of my favorite Pixar movies, like, ever. Is it the best one? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean that it is a incredibly important piece of media within Pixar's vernacular, you yeah. know? Like, for me, the Incredibles is the best Pixar film. There's no question. Like, it's, uh, Incredibles is pretty much flawless in every single way in my opinion from my last watch i would love to watch it again which i think we've got it on the bonus list it's not in the 250 i know that really which is yeah criminal um what yeah okay sorry right? up and wally are in it but the incredibles yeah it gets the the hard snub which is very interesting to me given how that film seems to have aged a bit like a fine wine and everyone has only grown to adore it more and more as time goes on i mean it's the same people behind Incredibles as much as it is Ratatouille. Yeah. So it makes sense. You've got Brad Bird. You've got Michael uh, Giamaccino um, on the soundtrack, which fucking... The Newman boys are great. You know, your Randy and your Thomas. They're good. 
But then you get Michael doing his like, and then like the, the put uh, editing Douglas put in the you know the bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Ratatouille, you're getting so many intricate, gorgeous compositions and stuff that I just feel like you don't really find in too many of Thomas or Randy Newman's compositions. They're very, dis- I mean, they're very distinct films thematically. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Distinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the, I think the incredible soundtrack is fucking iconic. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that was five notes, and I'm immediately like, oh yeah, I know that yeah. whole song in my head. It's all just, it's all just slotted he, back in. He wrote the Mission Impossible theme song as well. Well, that makes entirely, entirely makes well, sense. Which, like. Yeah, listening to that, I'm like, wow, they both sound so on par with each other, you know? Mm, the Incredibles, mm. fanfare, and then the Mission Impossible fucking, like, the rope burning. Like, it, yeah, Douglas, put it in again. Um, <laughs> Just making, you're editing making this life you're making really life difficult for myself, but it's fine. Yeah, Randy had the bang with Monsters, Inc., like, whatever, but it's, yeah, Michael really comes through for me here mm. on this. Mm. I mean, Le, uh, Le Festine is... I, it gives me goosebumps every single oh. fucking time I hear it. Uh, her voice? Who is it? It's... um Camille. Camille. Her voice is fucking liquid honey. It is gorgeous to listen to. Yeah, I, I think that, like, the film is so, like, you know, tr- at least trying to be French, which I think is actually a complaint of mine. Like... I hate, I hate Linguini's voice actor. What? Are you kidding me? I love him. Why, why did they pick an Italian? Lou Romano. <laughs> why did they well, pick yeah, sure. And, um, sure. I, I, I just, I'm just imagining, like, French people have got to be fucking furious about, I like, rate. Finding Nemo, mm. they're like, oh, we'll pull in a bunch of actual Australian Aussie, actors yeah. to, to be that. Uh, the, Ratatouille did not get that fucking treatment at all. It, yeah, and you get Janine Garofalo doing her best French accent, I which guess, is which it's you know. fine. <laughs> She's from New Jersey, so yeah. yeah, exactly. They they just pulled in a bunch of fucking Italian New Yorkers. It's yeah, bizarre. American actors. Yeah, it was what um my partner was saying to me. She was like, if what happens when you watch the film in French. Mm. Like, it, like they it, probably it have not... much more convincing voice actors. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Would it not be more compelling to watch the film in French as if this were a foreign oh. language film? I'm going to look at that later. Mm. Okay, mm. um... To see whether that dub is actually any good. Because um, I think just like the, the the atmosphere of it being in Paris is like such an important. It's a it's it's a character in its own right it's, in the film. It's a part of the mise en scène, yeah, and um, yeah. that I feel like that's they didn't lean into that anywhere near as hard as they could have, and I feel like they really missed out there. Honestly, I I feel sure. like just go all in. Give me the mm. give me the experience. Give me full French. Yeah. Give me two hours of croissants and baguettes, dude. Like, <laughs> lay it on me. Um, yeah, that's a valid criticism. I, but I in terms think... of story, I think it's it's so fucking important, you know? Like, it's it doesn't... It leans into probably one or two cliches, but not in a way that makes them too cliched. Mm. Like, enough that it's actually... It's palatable and it's understandable why the story kind of falls into some of those cliches. Mm. Those tropes, I suppose. And, yeah, I... Like it's from a creative standpoint, it's it's such a important and powerful story to to be told when you're young that you can come from anywhere and people might say that you can't do something, but rest assured that anyone can create something that like there is a voice, there is a you have a voice and there is a place for whatever it is that you want to create and bring to the world. So. I've, I've got some I've got some points on that, but I will leave them to the spoilers, Douglas. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but I sense a debate coming on. Um, throw down. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> Douglas put in the boxing bell noise. Thank you. And then a bunch of like... <laughs> put in some boxing sound effects. Uh, could you put in a oh. boxing arena uh, like, audience? Yeah, yep, yeah. please. Okay. Um, 
And can you God, can you vocode your own voice? Can you vocode that my voice to say in in the red corner? Through like one of those like shitty like speaker. Oh like, yeah, stack. like the pulled out the ones that come out of the roof. Like, and in, in the red corner. Blue-haired loser who knows how to make cookies, and in the blue corner, a guy wearing circular glasses yeah. and Audio Technica <laughs> headphones. <laughs> why? Don't, why are you in the, the red corner? I'm in the blue corner. Yeah, could you do the red corner first? Oh, but your hair is blue. So, mm. All right. Maybe, anyway, maybe not everything needs to match, Douglas. Oh, fuck off then. <laughs> not everything has to be symmetrical. Um. Animation, what did we think of... Uh, how does Ratatouille's animation, in your opinion, hold up? I have a big... So I've written a little... I've transferred my... Garbage. Paper notes, <laughs> paper notes to uh, a notebook, notepad page on my computer, and the animation is by far the largest section. I... I mean, it's good. It's good. They are extremely, like, expressive characters. Yeah. Um... And there's lots of kind of variety to the faces and stuff. There's such like extremes to the character design as well. I have mm. definitely mentioned multiple times Anton Ego is one of my favorite characters in oh, film history. He is like what the time that um uh what is that Peter O'Toole the time that he is on screen. And the impact that he has on an audience mm. is monumental. Like, oh. the, the turnaround for that, like, time spent on screen to impact he has on both the story and the audience, I only Pixar, man. Yeah. Like, only they can make you feel so viscerally affected by his circumstances and his story. He, mm. Yeah, without going into spoilers. He is just such an unequivocally amazing character. They almost use him like very sparingly. They they yeah. keep mm. the which is good. The mystery of the character strong by alive not, and well. Yeah, mm. not him not really doing like him being there as like an ever, almost an ever present threat, ever present yeah. threat for you know in the first couple of acts and then really coming into his own in the third act and and we'll talk about him more in spoilers as well. But yeah, absolutely. love him. Um, yeah, I I did have some weird things. There were just some nitpicks. There's things like there's some weird like low res texture stuff, which I didn't expect. There's a scene where there's a couple of rats huddled around a bin, and I'm like, that thing has like a thousand pixels from the top to the bottom of it, and it's taking up the entire <laughs> screen. <laughs> Okie dokie, less than that probably. Um, wow, I didn't notice that. There's it's it's like once again it's like Finding Nemo where it's mostly fine and it's the kind of thing where if you look at lots of 3D animation um like closely you start to pick out like weirdness you, yeah yeah um there is um and this is a nitpick they do do this really well a lot of the time with the kind of mind gusto who is you know this figment of Remy's imagination Remy's yeah and he appears in you know, as a ghost sometimes, but whenever the there's an illustration of Gusto as a dude, that will come to life at some point in the film, basically, and which is talk wonderful. To Remy, amazing yeah. idea, yeah. great yeah. idea, um, and I, I like that they explicitly make it very clear that it's not a ghost. Yeah. It is constantly reinforced that it's just Remy's head, like mm. it's all in his head, mm. um, because it's it's him talking to his passion, which yeah. is like really gorgeous i like that um and yeah. it was good it, it was visually looks really good except for the very first one where he's looking at the cookbook and it's so obviously a flattened cell shaded animation like it doesn't feel quite up like it's something that i really wanted them to go okay we've got an illustration Let's of a book fucky with flat it, yeah. illustration of a book it's like six colors or whatever it is we're going to handball it down the hallway to disney and say hey can you guys animate this but it is very clearly a 3d animation that's been baked down to two dimensions which is yeah. honestly like well you know on one hand like is a lot to ask on the other hand like you're allowed to ask a lot from pixar you know i guess so <laughs> they got yeah, a lot of then- fucking resources but then do you have to query whether that was a creative choice in and of itself, you know? Like, was that something that they just went, that's what we're doing? 
No. <laughs> you don't think so? I'll I'll point you back to it later, but you okay. can you can very much pick that it is like a 3D animation that's anyway. Um which is fine. And mm. something that I saw right at the end of the credits is very interesting. Um they make a point about the film not having any mocap in it, which is very interesting. Um cuz it's mm. it's kind of de- these days, it's kind of ubiquitous. Everyone, everyone uses mocap for three animation, especially for video games. Video games is like the big one. Yeah, I think but, there's a yeah, lot more really. animation that needs to be done. Mm. So mocap, sort in a way, you know, you don't want to call it this, but in a way, it acts as like a shortcut. Mm. Um, what mm. it actually means is that you're, you know, you're kicking the can down the road to uh, actors instead of animators and generally actors are yes, better at yeah. showing how a human body moves because it's yeah, their human they're, body <laughs> that they're controlling. It's, the, it's their physicality mm. rather than a, a, a rigged skeleton's uh, mm. physicality in an animation uh, software. Yeah. That, all that said, mm. it, cut that out. Someone's dragging something on the next floor up. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's a leak in the pipe or something. If, if like, water f- anyway you um, start <laughs> yeah just push, oh, like waterfall yeah. on my head then you'll know what happened a bunch of rats fall on your head yeah, yeah um it's it's great animation considering that it was hand done which i guess you gotta kind of give it to them it's it's mm. it, it just feels weird like you know seeing that in 2021 where it's so widespread and then them going like proudly like no mocap and it's like yeah, these days ta-da. like we care but yeah that, i mean good for them like it's yeah yeah it does uh, add to the effects of you know it, it, it sort of makes it a bit more fantastical um, yeah which is yeah. helped by the frankly insane character designs the yes yeah the big one i noticed is there is a spot where a character like wipes their hand across their you know like someone's like like exhausted or whatever and yeah, yeah. or like worried and they like wipe their hand down their face a character does that and their nose has to like squish and then snap like spring back oh, up because like spr- yeah. their noses on these characters are fucking gigantic oh, fucking, yeah yeah <laughs> um, absolutely but you know that's you know they're really pushing the limits of <laughs> character design by yeah. having their faces so fucking just out there bizarre I, yeah, yeah. Character design across the board is phenomenal. And then also the voice actors. Too. I like the kitchen crew, like mm. the Gusto's kitchen crew. Mm. I They were all as charming and memorable as I remember them being as a kid, which was great. The snake in the grass for me was that uh, Horst, the sous chef, the blonde mm. sous chef, mm. who's uh, I won't go into too much. He is voiced by Will Arnett who voices Bojack Horseman, amongst other things. And that really fucks with me now, because <laughs> I'm just imagining Bojack Horseman in, in Ratatouille, because they're, they're talking rats, he's talking horses, but I don't know, it fucks with me a lot. It's It doesn't sound like him. He's such an amazing voice actor, Arnett. Mm. He really does blend himself really, really well. He's such a chameleon with his voice. So, very inspiring to to know that he was squirreled away in Ratatouille all these years mm. and I never knew. So, yeah, yeah. Did very you, fun. So, did you recognize him whilst listening to it or did you just see that in no, the credits? No. Okay, yeah. Look, saw it in the credits and I was like, that will <laughs> Yeah, huge whiplash. And then, yeah, every, the uh, notable thing about the cast from uh, both me and my partner, we were like, wow, I don't really know, like, anyone in this voice cast. Like, you know, they've all gone on to do more, things. More VA work. Yeah, but it's not as, like... They're not, like, huge, prolific, like, fucking actors, you know? They're just, like, Pat Oswalt. Like, he's fucking... He's vibed in a couple of, like, other indie films. He was in Zoolander. Um, and then he's in fucking Ratatouille. Um, Ian Holm voicing Skinner, like, oh, okay, well, Ian Holm, you got fucking, like, Bilbo, but, like, whatever. Oh, Patton Oswalt is, like, a huge comedian, though. That's yes, his, That's his yeah. primary thing. That's his, uh, yeah, uh, claim to fame. Mm. And then also, like, Lou Romano, he's primarily an animation production design artist, not a voice actor. So... Yeah, he's got way more credits in the 
Or the same number. Of, no, he does actually have less credits, but he's got all these credits in the art department. So I give more lenience to Lou Romano's performance in the in the uh the knowledge that he is more an animation production design artist and it was probably a very similar deal to ah fuck what's his name in Finding Nemo the director of Finding Nemo god damn it we literally just did this last week I'm don't look at me right Stanton it's something Stanton Douglas Douglas is looking at me for answers I got nothing (laughs) yeah you don't you don't remember names I remember shit Andrew Stanton who voices crush the turtle in uh, finding nemo the way that came about was that he voiced it in a rough cut and then everyone loved it so much that they were like you gotta do it so he did i'm wondering whether it was a similar tale with lou romano voicing linguini maybe potentially maybe there'll be something in the trivia i don't know I'm, I'm trying to like hold myself off from getting to the trivia so then i i don't like fucking waha like midway through the podcast <laughs> and like slam some information at you because i like i like learning alongside you jonathan i don't <sighs> like having all the cards it doesn't feel as rewarding you it's, know it is so, it is fun to do that thing where you uh where i learn things from you and you're like the that's a podcast dynamic you yeah. got the smart person who did the research and the person who has no <laughs> idea what's going on um, in the background. <laughs> You're the cook, I'm the human. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's a perfect symbiotic relationship. <laughs> well, we've fluffed on for like, I don't know, 20-odd-ish minutes. Jonathan, would you recommend Ratatouille? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean... It, it's it, Pixar. It's Pixar. Pixar and it's like heyday. and like, Well, heyday, you know. It's uh, one of its best ages. Yeah. I think the, the only real complaints are like wanky film critic complaints and i think it's still a very enjoyable film i Mm. sort of feel like it sags a little in the middle or maybe like maybe two-thirds like 60 percent of the film is a little bit of a dip yeah um but that's okay i you know it's a it's a weird one it's a weird one but very enjoyable very enjoyable film you're not gonna have a bad time with this yeah absolutely that's the the main takeaway Mm. This sucks. I fucking loved this film, and now I've watched it critically, and I'm like, eh, it's just fine. I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum. I went, ah, oh, Ratatouille is just fine, right? And now I'm like, Ratatouille is insane in terms of like how inspirational it is to me as a creative and the the things that it tackled that I didn't even know that it tackled when I was a kid. Like, it's just, there's so much reverence and energy there that like, yeah, it really got, like, the ending really caught me. I was tearing up uh, quite badly in the ending because it's just so, it's such a nice, neat little bow right at, uh, the the whole film is just, it's such a perfect little package of just feel-good, cooking, rat energy. Maybe what happened is that you had very low standard. Like you thought the film was like not that great, and I thought the yeah. film was one of my favorite films of all time. And we both like stabilized s- to the same wow. point. Yeah, yeah. Mm, <laughs> the same mm. three and a half stars, four stars, or whatever. We've, yeah, yeah. We've rubber banded a bit. Yeah, mm. yeah. Perhaps. Um, well, we'll go to the spoiler zone. We didn't Let's get that Evangelion soundtrack. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that is a good one. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, um, well, and I guess you, you sound like you have opinions on this as well. I have this feeling that, you know, the film has nuance to it, but it also sort of, sort of feels internally like inconsistent with the whole, yeah, everyone can cook thing. And then it's like, well, actually the 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 loser kid is still a fucking loser kid who can't do anything he just yeah. waits tables which mm. is like not the expi- inspiring it, yeah thing. i think it's it definitely the film transitions from focusing on linguini to focusing on remy like it linguini 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 seems very much more like a side piece mm. in the in the whole in scheme the whole of thing. things yeah which mm, uh, is is weird to think about, but it also sort of it would like, have been it, it would have been nice to have him like right at the end when uh, they bring ego back into the kitchen and they show you know how they did it all mm. and then 
having Linguini, like, I don't know, maybe in, like, one of the last scenes, like, he's cooking something up or, like, you know, he's helping out yeah. in the kitchen and then he goes back out to do his waiting, like, yeah. because... I want him to be on that journey as well. He kind of just has no character growth. I don't give a fuck if you had a rat pulling your head, like, for literally, like, five, ten weeks. There is no way. You are that dumb fuck smooth braid that you didn't pick up even, like, the tiniest ounce of cooking experience and knowledge mm. from just doing it. There is no way Linguini just completely checked out whenever he went and just went, uh, Robbie's doing the work. I just, like, practically, there is there is no way Linguini fell asleep at the helm and did not retain any form of cooking experience. So, yeah, I can agree with that, unquestionably. I also feel like they... They cling on to Skinner for too long. Like, he serves his purpose, and then there's that really good, like, almost Bond-esque foot chase between mm. Remy and him, which is, mm. like, fantastic. The yeah. way that's pasted everything is, like, hilarious in how grand the scale is, but also very engaging and very entertaining. So it's it, it meets both the, like, haha, this is so dumb fuck funny because you, you think about what's actually happening and you're like, this is stupid. But it's also very entertaining and fucking Giacchino really amps it up with the, with the soundtrack and everything. Fucking Mission Impossible prick. And then he... Like, you know, he gets fired from the job and everything and you see the film, like, you know, oh, it's all starting to head to, like, a good place. But then, you know, there's still the, the thing in the back of... No one knows it's Remy that's actually behind it all. But the film keeps Skinner around so that he can capture Remy and then have this, like, uh, again, the the trope of protagonists breaking up, which the catalyst of the protagonist breaking up, I think, is great because it's a betrayal and it's like a very visceral, real, relatable betrayal. Mm. Like... Remy doesn't feel like he's being appropriately acknowledged and respected for the work that he does. He feels like Linguini is soaking up all the spotlight and not sharing any of it with Remy when he totally could be. And then Linguini is like, I trusted you. I thought that you would, as the film raises the whole idea of rats thieving and things like that, I thought that you had grown out of that. But yeah, here you are, you're doing it again, you know? Mm. Yeah. And that's really real. Like, the, the frustration from both ends feels really tangible for a fucking talking rat and a <laughs> linguini pasta man. I can't believe I noticed it watching it. They animate linguini like he's pasta. Like, he's all <laughs> floppy and bendy and wavy and stuff. They animate him like he's pasta. And I can't believe I did pick up on fucking Alfredo Linguini when I was a fucking child. Did I not? Did I not go to a restaurant and go, "Oh, Alfredo," and they go, "Oh, well, <laughs> like it's not French though." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. It's, it's so uh, weird. <laughs> it's, it's Italian, but that's besides the point. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, those are like what do you what did you think of Skinner and like his inclusion like towards that that back end? It just it just felt so arbitrary. Like he'd served his purpose and then they were just still clinging onto him for a little bit for no real reason. The film has all these kind of pressure points that it sort of jumps between in a lot of ways. Like the like the um Linguini needs a job and Skinner's gonna find out about the rat and Anton Ego needs them to make an amazing meal or is gonna get them shut down and the um the health inspector and and all these things kind of layer on top of each other in a weird way. Maybe it's fine. Maybe maybe it's intricate, Douglas. Maybe it's actually good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I was thinking I was thinking about that and the way that those things sort of they don't feel like they interconnect per se. Maybe I'm but maybe I'm being too critical. Um, what uh, what interconnects? Just just all the yeah all those pressure points, all those different okay. Yeah, kind of problems. Um, the the points of no return within the actual screenplay. You mean? Yeah. Um. And like, I don't think I hated. I don't think I hated Skinner. It was. It, uh, no, he's a fun character. I just feel like they just kept him in the screenplay for too long. He doesn't. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's very weird. Because um, I feel like his whole purpose is to drive a gap between. Linguini and Remy, mm. and then when he gets fired, 
that should be it. Like mm. that's his art closed. He he can't. He has no control over Gusto anymore. The 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 brand, the restaurant. Like he he's kaput. He's done. Um, but they just keep him around as this nefarious kind of side antagonist where. Anton Ego is 10 times more interesting. And the only real thing that Skinner adds in the act three is that he kidnaps Remy, which is again, completely arbitrary because it's, it's just a moment for the rat, his rat family to be like, come and save him. And then be like, Hey, uh, what you doing? And then he's like, I gotta go save the restaurant. And like run off into the distance. Like it just, that could have been, he, runs outside, talks to the rat family, and he's like, hey, i got to do this thing real quick. I'm really sorry about it, but I just have to do this for me. And then the, the dad's like, what? I, I don't understand. What do you mean, son? And then he just goes off and does it. Completely devoid of Skinner. Skinner could have... And then, like, if you wanted to, fuck it, whatever, have Skinner in the, the restaurant. And then, like, you can be like, oh, fuck, Skinner, that's right. Remember he was in, like, the previous acts, and now he's here, like, across from Anton Ego and trying to suss out the situation. I don't know. I get what you're saying. I say I yeah. I don't think I had a huge problem with that. I don't yeah. think I did. Okay. Um, Whatever. I've talked about this for too had, long. I think they sort of had to drop him in to keep him sort of relevant to the story. Yes. To then, yeah. Because I think giving a true. Gap, it's also a kids' film. If you if you leave it for too long, then the kids are going to be like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> no. Um. I think if you if you having the gap where Remy gets taken away, and then Linguini's there trying to like make shit work. And then, yeah, I, 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 I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Actually, yeah, sure. That's a that's a stressful situation and everything. With Linguini trying to like make it happen without Little Chef, and then that's mm. a lesson for him to be like, "Fuck, I genuinely can't do this. <laughs> like, mm. it's it. I have no uh, talent or skill in this facility." Um, <laughs> which which, the... is, which swings back to my previous complaint where yeah. I'm like why is he so fucking <laughs> what useless what the fuck yeah he's an, he can be mostly bad that's okay but yeah. it's just like it, it's the hiccup there problem is... where I'm like I hate yes. this guy he yeah. sucks <laughs> no I didn't I didn't mind hiccup that's the thing I, both, I like both hiccup and Lingu- uh, linguini there you go Douglas just loves losers yeah fucking spindly rakey doopy boys wieners. yeah <laughs> yeah wieners <laughs> fucking uh, Spectral Squarepants movie, the wiener thing, whatever. I <laughs> fucking, there's a joke there somewhere. Um, keep digging, Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Keep digging, Doug. Um, did you catch the the bit where he's doing the the taste test with the cheese and then the strawberry and then he puts them both together and mm. then like the animation is all like swirly and stuff yeah. and it's like fireworky. Did that evoke Monsters Inc. energy for you or is that just me? Oh, I guess so. I wasn't thinking like the like, but... like the intro of Monsters Inc. Again, yeah. Douglas put it in. <laughs> I, I I did really like that. I think that was like I was sitting there. It's thinking so about creative. It. How I was like that? So many times I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of like it, like the schmood of the yellow, yeah. <laughs> and the red and stuff. And you're like, oh mm. yeah, because they mm. do kind of taste like taste like that. <laughs> that kind visually, of yeah, yeah. Visually, figuring out how to visually evoke. A taste, Flavor. yeah, yeah, is really insane to to transfer from one of the five senses to a different one and make it understandable mm. is yeah, like that's such a challenge, and it just yeah, it gave me that real Monsters Inc kind of, especially because it was against a black background, I think, mm. and you've just got Remy as the the focus and all of the swirlies. I don't know, it just yeah, really rang Monsters Inky for me. Yeah, I, I think oh, monsters da Vinci. <laughs> um, I am gonna skip straight past that point. Dog. I'm not gonna talk about it. I was interested. Um, kind of come back to the animation. They do sort of stylize it more than I initially remembered. In things like obviously the characters are completely stylized, but yes. also the world itself is like a bit. You know, everything's kind of. It's not like grittily realistic per se. Like, everything's, like, a bit smoothed out and yeah, stuff. Yeah, let me tell you. Paris looks good, but it doesn't look that good. <laughs> I've been there. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, streets look uh, not quite as glamorous as <laughs> what they do in Ratatouille. There's little things like how, especially I was looking at the start, and there's the bit where Emil pops out of that cake. He's, like, inside the cake. Mm-hmm. And the cake itself has all these, like, very, like, defined, smoothed, like, layers to it. In, in a way that doesn't quite look how 
I'd expect something like maybe even like Toy Story to render it maybe a bit more realistically. I, it might also be a technology thing. Um, yeah. And the other one that got me was when the grandma is like shooting holes in the ceiling and they're all mm. these like very like starburst crack shapes that sort of have been like beveled and, and stuff. Um, it's, it's, there's stylistic style stylization being applied to everything not just that also lots of guns in this film like yeah i i was uh thinking about how many pixar films actually have like shootouts in mm. the like shootout you know remy isn't returning fire or anything like that but like a fucking gun like and this little old like that whole sequence is fantastic like two the, of those sequences the way yeah 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 the way that that's paced is really fun. Like the weird Emil and Remy are hanging on the chandelier. And as a kid, you're like, oh no. And then the gun goes click. And then the the whole, f- her fumbling around trying to find the more cartridges, mm. opening the box and like, ah, no cartridges in there. Like it's such a, like, it keeps that tension alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really clever. It's very fun. Yeah. Lots of, yeah. She's we so talked cute. about them before. The lady. There's lots of like tense, weird, like action escape scenes in this as well in pixar stuff in general like there's the big finding nemo had heaps of them there's a very kind of almost rube goldbian goldbergian <laughs> rube goldbergian that's rube right goldbergian. i'm uh i'm uh making making terms here uh-huh. um there uh the one where remy is like running around the restaurant and like just dodging everyone's like sight or like yes yeah not getting yeah. not getting burnt by fucking uh, singed ovens yeah. and shit. There's that. There's the one we talked about. The chase with the paperwork. There's him escaping the grandma. There's the sewer bit. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. It's very mm. weird. Um, mm. just wasn't one thing it. cascading into the next to the next to the next mm. in very fluid fashion yeah mm. i love at uh, the intro to gusto's kitchen also is i thought i quite blown away by how authentic that is i've worked in hospital high-end hospitality and that's straight up what a fucking high-end kitchen is like except with a lot more swearing yeah. um and a lot more very angry upset people but uh that's that's the energy though like it's it's professional it's uh completely not courteous like it is like you are pretty much looking after your own skin in there um and i thought colette did not a bad job of expressing that like i'm not completely here with colette as a character but i in think colette of... got i think colette got fucked i think oh she, absolutely she gets shafted she like, gets fucking sh- completely just like character wise she just gets kind of it. attached to completely Linguini manipulated and and it's and the film doesn't really focus on the fact that she's Re- Remy a great Remy weaseling cook. his way out of fucking uh, re- not showing his colors too quickly by getting them to kiss and then oh, like they buy a house uh, like what yeah I don't know I hate that Colette shit. gets got, fucked Colette, Colette, um, justice girl. for Colette twenty twenty one Douglas yeah straight up it's <laughs> fucking awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, that, that's the real heartbreak. I wanted, I wanted, uh, I wanted her to be her own. I want a spin off of Colette. Her to be her own person. I don't want her to be a yeah. side piece. That yeah. It's kind of pushed mm. to the side. She's an interesting character. Uh, yeah. And she has like her own autonomy to some degree, but she's mostly just being like, Linguini, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing, you dickhead? Because yeah, yeah. he just gets thrust into being in charge of the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's not so like... Colette's power and ambition and all of that isn't... It's not... The catalyst doesn't come from within her. It's from a reaction to the circumstances that are being given to her, being Mm. Linguini and Remy doing fucking weird shit that she's just like, what are you... What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. um, Uh, Ego. ego. I really want to talk about ego. Yeah, let's um, let's run this motherfucker over time. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Let's go. We've had a couple of short episodes. Uh, man, I just ego's like the perfect character. I can't like probably in from what I know of Pixar vernacular at this present point in time, haven't seen Apple Wally in a fucking hot minute. 
uh, he's the best character in the whole Pixar vernacular. Like, well, yeah, Wally, I, Wall, especially main antagonist. The main antagonist of Wally is like, man, oh, garbage. And, from and, what I remember, I can't yeah. wait to fucking tear that to shreds. And um, I, I think, I think the fact that Wally has like a main antagonist was completely unnecessary. It's weird, we'll anyway. Talk, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I, as an as an antagonist, he's fucking excellent. Um, the growth I, and the journey that he has pretty much exclusively mm. in the third act mm. is like insane like yeah. and, and it's to me f- what rang through so truly to me on this watch was O'Toole's performance he is so his voice is so captivating to listen to and how they've obviously animated ego in response to O'Toole's performance is it's uh said it before it's a symbiotic relationship oh. one one and the other living in complete perfect harmony the the little monologue that he has after he leaves the restaurant and he's just like pacing the re- around the review and yeah yeah the yeah, the, yeah. the the critic monologue yeah is, we, which, which we have never quoted on this podcast yeah and times. we will refuse to <laughs> um it's it's superb and the what do you i I had a real fucking dickhead artisty kind of a moment where you know where he eats the ratatouille and he has like the flashback and everything. Mm. Which, by the way, like that's on the beginning of up levels of insanely acute, precise character development with no words. Yeah, done within the span of like fifteen fucking twenty seconds. That makes me cry. Iconic. Fuck off, Pixar. That Iconic. shit's insane. So um, he drops the pen, right? Mm. And, it, and it, like the film really makes a big deal about him dropping the pen, which I was like, oh, it's just for dramatic effect at first. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But then I was like, it's him letting go of his ego. Because at the start of the dinner, you know how he's like, uh, I'd like some freshly served perspective. And, you know, he's completely <laughs> baiting the fucking, <laughs> the, the waiter. Such a um, wanker move. <laughs> who is voiced by Ham, uh, Ham from fucking Toy Story. Toy Story, uh, oh God. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 him. I every single time I hear him in any of Pixar stuff, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, "Where's Ham? There he is! It's the waiter." Um, I forget the voice actors. You name. provide the food. I'll provide the pers- the perspective. <laughs> it's you. like oh, wow, Douglas. Ooh, thank you. Um, he's yeah, he's still retaining his ego and everything throughout like that whole period, and mm. he the way he thinks about how he critiques and everything is that he is the last word. Yeah. So the fact that Gusto's is coming back after he gave his last word is irreprehensible. It's like, I just, it, it doesn't make sense in comparing it with his ego. It makes no sense to him. Mm. So he makes that final challenge to put the nail in the coffin. And then he gets completely humbled, completely and utterly humbled by Remy's food. Some a peasant dish, something so simplistic, something so pure, and then releases the pen, and then yeah, for me, it's him letting go of his ego because from that point on, he's not critiquing the dish; he's just enjoying food. Yeah, like, yeah, and he just starts fucking scoffing. He just scoffs it because it's it's mm. just enjoyable. It's that nostalgic, warm, fuzzy feeling of just I- enjoying something. And then there's the scene after that where, uh, in the epilogue, where he's like put on some weight. He's not so yeah. skinny anymore because he yeah. likes he just eats food. He, just he's to... eating all the time now so and probably nice. pigging the fuck out at yeah. uh, La Ratatouille. Um, which, by I the way, know, how that I don't know how that works. How they're like our restaurant got shut down, so we made another rat so, restaurant. Yeah, what? we made another <laughs> rat restaurant in Paris. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, a bit of a suspense of disbelief, most definitely. Mm. But the way that that's all animated and, like, set out, like, the concept behind that is fucking gorgeous. Every yeah. single, like, little detail of, like, accounting for both the rats and the humans is, like, it's really cute. Like, the little the little ladder that they have so Remy can look through the, the kitchen window to see out into the, uh, the main, like, dining room. And, um, ah, just all the little intricacies that they developed to assist Remy in being able to cook is like uh, that shit's so sweet it's so gorgeous I just wanted Linguini to start cooking and that yeah Linguini fucking just thing. fucking 
At least cook some pasta. That would have been a funny bit. That would have been an excellent bit. That would have been hilarious if he tried to cook pasta or something and he like, he whiffs cooking pasta. No, but then that reinforces that. Yeah, you know what? No, never mind. He has to cook pasta good. He's got to cook pasta al dente, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh... Yeah, what do you have on ego? Sorry, I spat for like oh, no, five minutes on no, ego. No, I, I think I, I think I just agree with you on that. Yeah, I think he's, okay. a, I think he's a great antagonist. Cool. Um, yep. I think my two final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Number one, I remember this really getting me the first time I watched it, and it's still like the way it's presented is so weird. There's the bit where the lawyer says, "Oh, we got the the DNA test. We had to send it back because the first time they thought it was rodent hair. <laughs> rodent hair. And the yeah. first, the first, like every time, I'm like, are they implying the rat is his son? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> no, you get it, right? Yeah, 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 I get it. But they're just like, okay. they sent the hair. How do you, f- you don't mix up a rodent How do you hair fuck and a human hair. Rodent- yeah. They okay, look kind of yeah. different. Anyway, yeah. what, weird, weird. That's fine. Mm, That's okay. Mm, um, mm. And here is a fun cooking wanker thing for you, Douglas. There yep. in France, you know the scene where Remy makes an omelette at the start. Where, yep. where he's just moved in. That is a Spanish omelette. If you gave that to a French person, they would spit in your face. They are very particular <laughs> about their fucking omelettes. <laughs> really? How do they How do they like their omelette? It, it's, uh, well, it's just egg, for starters. Right. But yep. you cook so it... So no added, like, herbs, like No, yeah, and you cook it very slowly, like I think. And you get... It's this very defined, pure, kind of rectangular shape. And not right. he did not make a French omelette, yeah. and mm-hmm. he should know better. Not better, Remy. <laughs> Remy, <laughs> Remy is such a fucking master chef after all. Mm. He should have known better. This film's not French enough. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. if, if they just made it a foreign language French film, it would have been so good if it was all. Mm. They're just like, yeah, it's in French and subtitled. We made yeah, it, so Pixar. We made it. If you're yeah. American, learn to fucking read. Yeah, deal with it. Oh. And and they could have got like a whole bunch of like really prolific like French actors to make mm. like the the whole like French cinema audience go like Wah! get like some get some like French new wave actors in there that are like get like get one of the French new wave actors who's like super grisly old now and get them to play ego. Oh mm. man, oh. I can't look past Peter O'Toole though. He's great. He was he was quite good. Everyone also, else, like, I like else can fuck right off. I like the headcanon that he, like, is actually American or something, and he, like, moved to Paris as a food critic, yeah. and he's just critiquing Paris's food and just being a wanker. I like that. <laughs> America or uh, England, no, no. Um, Jonathan, is it time? Better check my watch. It, 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 in fact, we're <laughs> 10 minutes late for... You're not worried. Check my own arm. Um, <laughs> we're ten minutes late for trivia, Douglas. Oh fuck! Well, I better get started. Mm. <laughs> better, please better go catch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> marketing tie-ins proved to be problematic for this movie, as no food product company wanted to be associated with a rat. <laughs> uh, Wendy's, no, nah, can't handle it. Macca's, mm. no, thank you. Uh, who could? What food company could you get to to tie in with Ratatouille? Uh, look, I don't know. Like a pizza place, and like do something with cheese. Is Jean Reno still around? Fuck, he's old. Okay, Jean Reno is seventy. He could have been. Yes, that, that would have been excellent. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, t- definitely could have been. In oh, I love that mm. motherfucker. Yeah, and he speaks gorgeous. English in films all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's oh. a perfect choice. Uh, dream, dream casting. Sorry, I of... just, just completely cut in your trivia. Just no, like, d- here's my own thought, by the way. <laughs> Dr- dream casting of Ratatouille forthcoming, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll come. Uh, in France, where this movie is set, the movie broke the record for the biggest debut for an animated movie. Okay. Because I bet they were all like, oh, wow, can't wait. But, uh, well, actually, no, they would have watched it in French anyway, right? They wouldn't have gotten it. Um, let's knows? look French VAs for... Ratatouille, it. yeah. Before we get any, uh, any further, we should definitely clarify that. So maybe they did get a bunch of good voice actors. Did you hear that? My Google Home. Can... Just... Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Google Home wants to give you some trivia. <laughs> okay. I... Google desperately wants to. Um, okay. 
I think I've just shot this whole fucking section in the foot, Douglas. That's fine. Uh, for the Cut world, voice actors for the world, Japanese artist. Uh, saying some of the VAs, um, not all of them though. Did you know that um, Remy's dad's name is Django? Oh, no, like D J A N G O. D J A N G O. Yeah. Wow. These aren't. Don't know if that's a reference, but. Cool. Does that rec- recognize now? Um, oh, and the huge buff rat is supposed to be a lab rat. <laughs> Did not know that either. Anyway, whatever. Fuck it. No, uh, I got nothing. That's funny. That's there funny. are. There are. Okay. Yeah. No, no information. That's nothing funny. exciting. Sorry. Uh, to find out how to animate the scene where the head chef is wet, they actually dress someone in a chef suit and put him in a swimming pool to see which parts of the suit stuck to his body and which parts you could see through. Imagine coming into work at Pixar and then going, all right, Timmy, put get on the, the chef <laughs> Yeah, get in the pool. Uh, very good. Remy has 1.15 million hairs rendered, whereas Colette has 115,000 hairs rendered. An average person has about 110,000 hairs. Wait, Colette has 115,000 hairs rendered? Yeah. Mm. That's a lot. But it has to like, like, very like, defined. It's odd. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Brad Bird cast Patton Oswalt in the main role after hearing his stand up routine about the menu at the Black Angus Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, good for you, Patton. Good yeah, for you, Brad. That's, that works. You know I'll what? take that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, the only way that you could be cast for a role like that. Uh, nearly every Pixar movie shows the Pizza Planet truck from the Toy Story franchise. The truck appears on the bridge over the Seine in the scene where Skinner chases Remy. Uh, I never pick those. I never pick those. Did you see uh, the the looking forward to the the character that is to come in the next Pixar film? Did you catch that? No. Here you go. At around 16 minutes where Remy is climbing out of the sewers for the first time, he's parked, he is barked at by a dog in one of the houses. You can only see the dog's silhouette, but it is actually the, the dog Doug from Pixar's then still in production movie, Up. No, I did not see that one, Douglas. <laughs> it's I very recently, that uh, they released a bunch of shorts that they animated recently on Up. Like, they just did, like, a bunch of Up shorts with, mm. like, the OG cast. Um, and they all revolve around Doug, like the dog. And it's it you get like his inner monologue and everything. It's really sweet. So when that came up, both me and my partner were like, "There's Doug." <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that goofy bastard. He's great. Can't wait to get to him and up. The ratatouille dish prepared by Remy is the alternate variation called Confit Bialdi. It was adapted by film consultant Thomas Keller. This variation differs much from the conventional ratatouille in terms of preparation and method. The major difference is that the vegetables used are uh, sliced thinly and baked instead of cooking them in the pot. Yeah, um... Good old confit. Have you done it before, Douglas? What, confit? Confit Bialdi. I... Nope. Really? Have you? Yeah, I made it loads of times. Oh, Um, really? I think, yeah, I I always find that the eggplant doesn't play as nice as you want it to. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, but maybe maybe you pre-fry it or something. Huh. It's interesting because it's yeah, confit, maybe. and I think confit is normally when you cook things in oil. Or you preserve yes, things yeah, in oil. Right? Yeah, it's cooking, yeah. cooking an ingredient in fat. So but he doesn't put any oil on it in the movie. He puts him, oil. Right? I mean, I think it's implied there's oil in it. But confit bialdi. Right. Maybe confit is like a more general French word. Could be, yeah. Um, French, French dish for the French man. Mm. Uh, pressing on. Yes. <laughs> Chef and television personality Anthony Bourdain's favourite food-centric movie. Bourdain said, quote, They got the food, the reactions to food, and tiny details to food really right, down to the barely noticeable pink burns on one of the characters' forearms. I really thought it captured a passionate love of food in a way that very few other films have, end quote. I did, I, there was nice consistency in stuff, so... Well, sorry, one hand there was nice consistency with stuff like how Linguini keeps the, like, little 
uh, rat bites on his hand, like a, for yeah, a couple of days. That, and there's mm. also just a completely like the scene where um, Colette goes to slap Linguini but walks out. She has she like raises her arm and she has like some burn lines down her wrist, which you just mm. get from being in another uh, in the just, kitchen all day. Yeah, being in the um, kitchen. Yeah. You just like whack your whack your wrist on on frying pans. All pan kinds of fucking hot like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's a wonderful little detail. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Veteran Disney animator Victor Habouche, who worked on Sleeping Beauty, Lady and the Tramp, and 101 Dalmatians, called this movie quote the best animated film since Pinocchio. Habouche. Habouche. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's your takeaway. I think we've I think we have shit on this film a lot, but I think that's because we've watched it enough to be aware of the problems with it, but it is still yes. fucking wonderful. Yeah. Uh I did catch this. I didn't say it in my um I'm I sound like an absolute twat now that I'm saying it, but I did I promise I did note this, I just forgot to say it. The room in which Anton Ego writes his review is shaped like a coffin and the back of his typewriter resembles a skull face appropriately because he writes killer reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I noted that it's like a cock because they have that top-down shot where his little uh, butler Mm. dude like goes along the red carpet to tell him that Gusto's is back up in business. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, it's a coffin. That's cute. Oh, coffin, cute coffin. Yeah. Literally fucking rising from the dead, Ego. He's like a weird Dracula. I love it. Does does he get a nicer house when he um when he stops being a food critic? At stops the being film? a hellacious prick, yeah. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Wherever possible, Brad Bird had mainly female animators working on the character of Colette. Nice. Yep. Cool. Good move. Love that. Walt Disney Pictures was reluctant to push this movie as a nominee for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, fearing that members might overlook it in the Best Animated Feature category, where it was deemed to be a lock. Instead, they concentrated their efforts on making sure it won in the animated category. Uh, and guess what? It? it fucking didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think. Uh, what, what was it up against? 2007 Academy Awards or 2008? It'll be the 2008 Academy Awards. Um beat you to it oh it did it did win it i'm did a dickhead win. what what one one no control man what okay. one one yeah what <laughs> no country for, for old men wait is the right one oh yeah no country yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no yeah, country yeah. for old men one in uh 2008 yeah, yeah, yeah. persepoli what is this damn 2007 was a not a bad year good year good times mm, mm. had uh had some fun stuff in that year. I'm pretty sure you had. Um, uh, wasn't it the, uh, the last Jason Bourne film? Was oh. around that neck of the woods as well. Yeah, it sounds about right. Pretty positive. Oh my god, Bourne Ultimatum. Jason Bourne. Oh my god, it's Jason Bourne. Yeah, it is. 2007 was <laughs> the Bourne Ultimatum. Wow, that gets an eight on fucking IMDb. Jesus, I should rewatch the Bourne trilogy. That'd be fun. Um. Several changes to the design of the rats, primarily the nose and ears, were made after Debbie Ducommon, a rat expert, brought down several of her personal pets for the art and animation departments to observe. Ah, oh, cute. That's cute. Like the um, I like that. Like the Sonic move where they looked a bit <laughs> demented and they had to fix them. And they went, "Okay, you uh, fuck it." Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, release the butthole cut of uh, cats, please. Release the um, butthole cut. As Linguini and Colette roller skate down the sidewalk, a mime is performing for some people. The CGI model for the mime is the same model used in The Incredibles for the character Bomb Voyage. I was hoping. I was so fucking hoping. <laughs> yeah. it's He looked suspiciously similar, and it's good to hear it confirmed. <laughs> uh, Linguini and the ghost of Gusto learn that Linguini is Gusto's son born out of wedlock. This makes this the first Disney full-length animated movie to feature a main character of illegitimate parentage. All prior main characters were either orphaned, had both parents married and living, or had one living widowed parent. Uh, the uh, Very brave of Pixar to include adultery. <laughs> <laughs> to include a bastard child. A bastard child. The villain in this movie is the head chef Skinner, would, uh, debatable, voiced by Sir Ian Holm, uh, who tries to put Remy in a box. The character was named after behavioural psychologist B.F. Skinner, who was known for the Skinner box, where rats were placed and trained to push a button for food. 
Oh, I thought it was going to be something way fucking more distressing. Because Skinner, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. No. And boxes Turns with out- rats in them and psychologists. Tur- yep. Turns out, pretty okay guy. Just He was just looking at what rat... Because uh, apparently... Rats and people, like, in terms of biologically, like, we're actually quite similar. Fairly close, yeah. 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 Not, like, one-to-one. It's a nice, like it's a nice midpoint between biological similarity and, like, ease of making a lot of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also hmm. general ethics. It's like, monkeys are closer, but it's very unethical because they're a lot to, smarter yeah. than rats are. Yep. Yep. Either way, that's all I got. Uh, good little trivia sesh. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Um, cute little... Fantastique. Cute little... Well, learning things, Tons. See you trois. Learning things about the movie that we didn't know. How exciting. Oui. Um, well, if you enjoyed this weirdly negative episode of the 250 podcast... I was negative, I love... Oh, actually, no, I was negative in some We were negative. We love this movie, but we were negative. Yeah. Um, we put out episodes every week... Uh, we just did Finding Nemo last week. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're doubling up on Pixar and then, I don't Pixar know, the next film for, looks fine, I think. I don't think it's d- depressing, depressing, but um, it's not going to be... I think we've, we're going to be overstimulated on Pixar films and then we're <laughs> going to have some trouble re- reacclimating to... <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Adapting. If you want to... If you want to see the effects of the next film on me as I am thrust back into reality, we put episodes of the 250 out every week, Tuesday midnight in uh, Australian Standard Time, Australian Eastern Standard Time, which comes out to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. You can, if you want it... <laughs> Monday mornings in America. For a repository of all things 250, you can open up your favorite web browser and type in www.250.com. You have the link to our email there. If you want to get in contact with us directly, you can mail us at mail at 250.com. And there's also a link to our Instagram, T-W-O-F-I-V-E-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. And there is also a link to our uh, Wooshka page for the podcast, where from that website you can subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified about when things are coming out, if like when they come out, if you wanted that, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If that's something you want to do. Um, while you're skulking around the internet, microphone. <laughs> um, if you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd also super appreciate it if you put in a review on the site or app that you like to use. That really helps us out. Uh, Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website we're great big fans of. My account on Letterboxd is Uber. That is U-U-U-P-A-H and Douglas. Mine is I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T. That's Enzo Knight. Uh, you can type in either 250, Enzo Knight, or UPA into the letterbox search engine and you will find our respective accounts as well as uh, written reviews of all the stuff we talk about here on the 250 as well as anything else that we have watched in our spare time. Normally at this segment of the podcast we talk about the films that we have watched in our spare time, but I've been a busy fuck, so I haven't watched anything. Um, me Have you too. watched anything, Jonathan? Me too. I watched. Uh, I rewatched Knives Out, and that can confirm ah. that film still fucking kills. It's yeah, it's excellent. I'm very excited yeah. for the second one. Such a yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Like, I hope they like Agatha Christie it, you mm. know, and like it's just every now and then it gets like revived, and then like a brand new cast. You still get Daniel Craig at the helm, uh, like Poirotting it. But it's always a brand new cast, brand new mystery. Like, yeah, that's that's a really fun concept to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how Ryan, how long Ryan Johnson can facilitate something like that, but uh, I would be keen to see how long he can. <laughs> it seems like a, it seems like a fun trilogy. And what I really want him to do is, I don't want it to be called Knives Out Two. I want it to be called like, say, like X Y Z a Benoit Blanc story or a Knives Out story, right? Like, like, because the Knives part of Knives Out is a very... Intri- it's, it's, it's built into exactly. the... Exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. It's so deeply regimented in the story. Like, the family all are Knives Out for one another, um, as well as the actual use of knives within the film. Yeah, it's, it's uh, multifaceted. 
So I hope, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether he just goes fucking cops out and goes, no, no, Ryan Johnson isn't that fucking stupid. He did The Last Jedi, but he's not that fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> I'm still, anyway. I still can't wait for that Last oh, Jedi punch man. up. Let's go. Fuck me. It's, yeah. The throwdown. Yeah, that that is a throwdown. Um, we're uh, going to do right, that well, one. We're going to do that one in person so that I can actually, yeah. like, we can get in a real fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Live on recording. Uh, okay, well, take care. See you soon. Have a lovely uh, rest of whatever it is, wherever you are, and uh, go eat some good food. You know, get some. You know what's some good really good, Douglas? Um, what's Hungry Jacks is aping the KFC, like, but like they're aping KFC in general. They have yeah. a, they have a chicken burger now. It mm-hmm. is fucking delicious. <laughs> really? Holy shit! Okay, well. so I'm really bringing it down. I think, but get it, well. Mm. No, bringing the schmood down. I I looked oh, up in terms of like the level of quality. Like we're looking at all this like luxury yeah, like, high yeah. <laughs> hot cuisine food, and then you're like, have you tried the fucking yeah, new Hungry Jacks chicken, chicken, chicken burger? burger? Hungry Jacks, it's great. <laughs> um, I did find a list on food movies uh, in on Letterboxd. Uh, on Letterboxd, okay. Lots of Asian stuff. Ooh. Most mostly Asian stuff, which is very Fun. interesting. But cool. Yeah, maybe they've got a better... I feel like they've got a better relationship. Jiro Dreams of Sushi is like the sushi film I was talking about. Yes, that's the... yeah. it's quite iconic. But, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, Yeah! More on that at a later date. Fucking peace out, uh, biscuits. Eat a chicken burger. Yeah. I I command you to. Not not sponsored by Hungry Jacks. Through the airwaves. (laughs) All right, see you guys. Some perspective. Some perspective. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, see you.